Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode number 203. I want to talk about the influence that you have over people. You have a profound, transformative influence over other people. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a seven-year-old kid on the playground, and you influence people. You can be a teenager. Yes, you, teenager. You are impactful in other people's lives, as well as married people, of course, husbands and wives and parents. And then, of course, those who teach from the pulpit or teach from Sunday school classes or parachurch ministries like this one. Teaching is a vital aspect of our lives. Without sound teaching, how shall we know God's directives? How shall we know his desires for us? But did you know that there is another shaping influence in your life, and in many ways it can be more profound and more impactful? The things that had the most impact on your life came from the words and actions of other people, not primarily their teaching. And that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. Teaching is important. It has its rightful place within Christianity. But from doing a whole lot of counseling with a whole lot of broken people, I will tell you adamantly, as as strongly as I can tell you, that the people who are broken and hurting and struggling, they have been impacted by what people did to them more than the transformative words of God. Now, God's word is all-powerful, all-sufficient, plenary, complete, has all authority, but sometimes we can circumvent the teaching of God by the lives that we live. And that's what I want to talk about in this podcast, podcast episode 203. Here's the title. Your example has more impact than your teaching. Now, I can prove this to you, and, and I will prove it in just a moment, but I want to make sure that you get to these show notes, episode 203. Your example has more impact than your teaching. This is on our Life Over Coffee network. I want you to get these show notes because I have an infographic here. I also have a video that I want you to watch, and I have some internal links that will take you throughout our website that will help you to, to short up what I'm sharing with you now, and hopefully wherever there's need for transformation in your life, that these internal links will give you more instruction, more teaching on how you can change so that your example, your example uh, is impacting people in a God-centered, bibliocentric, Christ-centered way. If you want to talk to me about this podcast, I would love for you to do that. Go to our website and make sure you have your username and password, and then you can get on our, our forums and you can find some help. Somebody is there to serve you. We do it every day, and we would love to do that with you, for you also. So let us do that. Let us answer whatever questions that, that you may have. I have a hundred and something infographics right now, currently, as of 2019, uh, on our website. And what I've been doing over the past few years is I've been uh, devoting an entire 30-minute podcast to each infographic. Now, I have a long ways to go. 
Uh, we have so many people that are asking so many things, and there's so many responsibilities that this is kind of a, a side thing that, that I'm doing. It's a goal of mine to put all of our infographics in audio format, explaining. Uh, they are explainer podcasts is what they are. And so this is an explainer podcast of one of the infographics that is on our website. Now, there's a link here to our infographics, and so you can get to them. But the infographic, and you can see it here in these show notes in episode 203, but the infographic is very simple. It's teaching what Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's why I titled the podcast, Your Example Has More Impact Than Your Teaching. What you never want to do with someone is just teach them what to do while not paying any attention or not caring about the example that you live before them. Because if your example, if you're not trying to live a God-centered life before the people that you are instructing, then it will be hard for them to hear your instruction. And so this podcast is explaining this simple idea in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. There's a picture here. I have drawn it out in an infographic, follow me as I, as I follow Christ. As you know, or you may know, that my infographics on the site, before they became infographics on our website, they were stick figures and sketches that I used in, in counseling sessions in years past. I have historically, I would, I would sketch out all of my counseling sessions. And even when I speak, many times when I speak at churches and conferences, I, I use an iPad. In fact, in our, our last conference in Texas, uh, a lady came up during break and she said, your information is really good. <laughs> and I don't want you to be offended by the question that I'm asking you, but I don't have a question about what you're teaching. I'm having a qu I have a question about your technology. How are you doing that? How are you drawing these sketches up on the big screen for us to see? I wasn't offended by her question. I thought it was great. But, you know, typically in a conference, people are asking you counseling-type questions or, or life questions, and she had a technological question, and, and I was glad to share with her. In fact, at the start, after, after that break and the start of the next uh, portion of that training, I let everybody know uh, how I do that with my iPad and the app that I use, which is called Penultimate, by the way. And you can put the Pen Ultimate app on your iPad, and then you can sketch things on an external monitor. Uh, you can sketch it right on the iPad, of course, but you can also show it on an external monitor. And you can show it on a, on a big screen for a larger audience. And whether I'm counseling or teaching, and that is how I do every chance that I can because I want people visually to see uh, these ideas. Uh, and, 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 and a picture is definitely worth a thousand words. But what I said was that the things that can have the most impact on your life, they come through the words and the actions of other people, not primarily for their teaching. Now, what I want to do here as I get into this is I want, I want to test my thesis I want to give you a couple of illustrations to test this thesis that our example can be more impactful, can have more influence, can be a, a bigger shaping influence than the things that those same people taught us. For example, I want you to think about ever so briefly the last high-profile celebrity leader or leaders, someone that you respected, who disqualified themselves from ministry. 
when you hear their names now, aren't you reminded of what they did before you think before you think about all that they taught you? I said, I want you to think about this illustration ever so briefly because I don't want you to dwell on fallen leaders. But I just want to illustrate that when you hear you have a high-profile evangelical leader who has fallen in sin for whatever reason, you have one in your mind. And, when, and think about when you hear their name now, it's their behaviors, their actions, their fallen, whatever that the reason for that was. That is what you think about. You think about their example before you think of their teaching. Here's another illustration. What about your daddy? And perhaps you could say, what about your mother? But what about your daddy? When you think about him, and it doesn't matter if you're, if you're 7 years old, if you're 17 years old or 77 years old. I had a lady come to me at another conference in Florida where I was teaching on parenting and grandparenting. And I, this lady was like 89 or 90 years old. And I was talking about this idea of the influence that a daddy can have on a child. And she said, for the first time in 90 years, something clicked for me. Now I understand why I do what I do because of uh, the shaping influence of my father. And she was very appreciative because now she had a way of thinking about some of her habituations and the way she thought and behaved for nine decades. There was a shaping influence of her father. Think about your father, your daddy. When you think about him, aren't his words and actions the first things that come to mind, even more than his instruction, assuming that, well, I know that he instructed you in some way. He would say, you know, don't do this. Why are you doing that? Stop doing this. Why don't you do this? I mean, we all, <laughs> we, all of us parents do that, and instruction is not bad. But where it becomes bad is that when our instruction is muted because our example is so profoundly adverse, Perhaps you think of his biblical instruction, if there was biblical instruction, but you reflex immediately to the kind of life that he lived, or maybe it was your mother, specifically how his life impacted yours. Here's a third illustration. Think of, about one of those cherished moments from your childhood. This is, these are one of the good events from your childhood. This is the other side of the coin we can think about fallen leaders and their example and how, how that influences, impacts us, and comes to mind because, because it, it really overshadows whatever good teaching that they may have. Then we think about our, our parents and, and the unkind things that they said or did to us, and that too uh, has a disqualifying effect as far as any good instruction that they might have given us. But flip the coin over and think about one of those cherished moments from your childhood more than likely, you're thinking about what someone did for you. I have a handful of those in my life. Here's an odd one. When I was 15, many of you know, I was, I was res, uh, arrested for B&E, breaking and entering, and I was put on probation for a couple of years, and my probation officer <laughs> asked me, uh, he said, what do you intend to do with your life? I'm 15 years old. And I said, well, my intent is to graduate high school and go to college and make something of myself. And he said to me, he said, you're unusual. I mean, it is exceptional for the kids that I talk to who are your age and have done what you've been doing to say something like that. 
Now he doesn't. Know, he didn't know that then, and he doesn't know it now. And I don't even know his name. He was my probation officer, and I don't know his name. I would love to know his name, and I would love to go to him and tell him, "Thank you. You don't know how impactful your words were to me." And how ironic, you're my probation officer. But what I heard was encouragement. I heard you can do this. You can pull yourself out of this mess. Now, of course, I realized later that I couldn't pull myself out of my mess. I needed God to help me, but he encouraged me. He put me, those kind words helped to put me or to, to motivate me to get on a better path. Think about one of those cherished moments in your childhood. Maybe it wasn't with your probation officer. For many of you, it's probably a school teacher who said something very kind or who supported you or was for you. And you, you, you that gave you a, a hook on which you could hang your hope and your encouragement for a moment. And you remember it all of these years. Of course, the adverse is also true. Your most painful moments came from the hurtful words or hurtful behaviors of others. Here's my point. People absorb the teaching from your day-to-day life more than they process and respond to your instruction. And if you don't hear anything else out of this podcast, I want you to hear that sentence. People absorb the teaching from your day-to-day life more than they process and respond to your instruction. Your day-to-day life teaches them the words you say, how you respond, how you respond to life situations, how you respond to them, how you respond to others. That is teaching, and it has a more profound impact than than any instruction that you give them as you direct them and how they should live. The stay-at-home mom who is yelling at their children and and, and she wants the children to love God. <laughs> and she's yelling at them and doesn't have a plan to repent, never repents, never walks through that. The dad who does a similar thing, the husband and wife who do similar things, and they never clean up their messes, the accumulative effect of that sinful living will have a more adverse effect than any God-centered, bibliocentric teaching that you provide for those who are affected by your lifestyle. When it comes to impacting lives, there is no question that actions speak louder than words. The warning is sobering, and the consequences are severe. If the life that you're living is out of line with the gospel. This is episode 203. The title of it is Your Example Has More Impact Than Your Teaching. I want you to look at this simple infographic. I also want you to watch this short, probably 90-second video, and I want you to get on these internal links within this podcast so that you can learn and, and change in whatever ways that you need to. And when it comes to leadership, and this is what we're talking about, a mother is leading those children in homeschool. A daddy is leading his wife. And by the way, wife, you are leading your husband by your example. Your example is the leadership. And of course, within the church, you see, everyone, people in the church are leaders as well. Everyone is a leader, 
because there is always someone who is watching, learning, observing, and imitating your life or reacting to your life. Even that kid, that seven-year-old kid who names the name of Christ on the playground or that teenager in middle school or high school, you are leading. The question is never, are you a leader? The question is always, what kind of leader are you? You have to choose how you want to lead others, even if the person you're leading is one soul. Maybe there's only one person that, that is observing your life, your neighbor that lives close to you in an apartment, condo, townhouse, house, wherever that may be. When we were teaching in, in Florida recently, uh, we stayed on a boat for seven days, and our neighbor was a whole bunch of people living on boats in a marina. And this one family, uh, they sold their home in North Carolina, and they, they bought a boat, and they live on a boat out in the Keys in South Florida. But they have a neighbor. They have neighbors on each side of them. You're always impacting somebody. Somebody's always observing your life, even if, it's mo- even, even if it's only a moment in Walmart when it's crazy and you're having to be patient and defer. You're not getting your way. There are three typical types of leaders. Let me give them to you. Number one, and not necessarily in this order, but one of them is those who do not care about God or His Word. That person is leading, they are influencing others, and this type of person doesn't care about God or His Word. He's a Christ rejecter. Could be an atheist, could be an agnostic, just could be a regular person who may even believe in God. I put that in quotation marks. But they don't really care about God or His Word. That is a leader who has impact in people's lives. And then a second one, those who profess Christ. But their lifestyle is incoherent when mirrored to God's Word. Now, what you have here is a hybrid. This person professes Christ, but yet he lives like the first one that I illustrated to you, the God-rejecter. So now I name the name of Christ, but I'm not going to live according to Christ's teaching. Therefore, my lifestyle is incoherent when mirrored to God's Word. And then you have a third type. The third type is the exact opposite of the first one, the Christ rejecter. This is the person who is genuinely following Christ, which their lifestyle and their friends affirm. Their attitudes, their words, their actions, and their teaching are not incongruent. When you put their attitudes and their words and their actions and their teaching all in a, uh, a container, <laughs> it It doesn't taste bitter. It doesn't taste incongruent. It tastes sweet. It tastes normal. It tastes like it should. And so you have one person who is a Christ rejecter. You have the other person who's a hybrid. He's a Christ rejecter, but he names the name of Christ. And then you have the person who names the name of Christ and is trying to genuinely and authentically follow him. The most dangerous type of these three kinds of leaders is the hypocrite. Number two that I mentioned to you. You see, the God rejecter is living according to his beliefs. So you know what you're getting with him. There are really no surprises. And I do wonder sometimes why people are surprised when God rejectors, like on in the Twitter sphere or other social media platforms, I wonder sometimes why 
a person would be surprised that they say, do, and believe whatever it is they say, do, and believe. They're actually being honest, and they're not incoherent. Their father is the devil, the father of lies. They are not born again. They have not been regenerated. There's no transformation in their life. They're spiritually dead. They're darkened, alienated from the grace of God, futile in their thinking, hardened in their hearts. They're living according to how they should live. The God-rejector is living according to his beliefs. You know what you are getting. We should not be surprised because you were that way too, and so was I. And depending on at what point it was when God imposed himself into your life and regenerated you and changed you, you could have lived a quite heinous life, as I briefly described, for example, when I was 15 years old and in jail. And though his actions can have an ongoing adverse impact on your life, it won't be because he was inconsistent with his orthodoxy, what he believes, and his orthopraxy, how he lives it out. The hypocrite, however, adds another layer of complexity to the vulnerable person's life. You see, it is one thing to be hurt by an honest God-rejector, I'm putting honest in like quotation marks because it sounds kind of weird. What I mean by that is what I've been saying is that he is living according to his beliefs. And it's one thing to be hurt by an honest God rejecter. But when the person names the name of Christ, you're not only hurt by that person, but it confuses and distorts the thinking of those impacted by his words and actions. Imagine a little girl, the little girl yelled at by her father who attends church meetings each Sunday. And even worse, he serves in the church, and his church peers respect him. In every case, this is an absolute statement here, in every case, this child will have a difficult time trusting God because of the confusion between an earthly father and a heavenly one. When she comes to God... She will have to begin to reorient. She'll have to deconstruct what a father is and learn what a father is, her heavenly father is, from Scripture. Her daddy, not only is that distortion between father and father, but her daddy also distorts Christianity. See, her her daddy's example, he's in church, serving in the church. He's a greeter. He's a Sunday school person. He's an usher. He serves in some capacity within a local body. And this distorts Christianity because he has a powerful impact on his little girl. And this distortion also bleeds over into the church, which gives this person a place to exercise his hypocrisy. Because now the the girl has to... In fact, I thought this... When I went to church, some of you have heard me say, say this, when I went to church as a kid, my mother made us go to church up to the time we were 10 or 11 years old, and then at that point we can do whatever we want to. There was really no control over us. But when we went to church as little kids, we got some of our best weed from the deacon's children at the First Baptist Church that I went to in North Carolina And then my mother and my father went to church. My father was a drunk, an abuser. And my mother wasn't living for the Lord either. 
And so here it is. This is what you expect. You've heard it before. Quote, if that is Christianity, then I don't want anything to do with it. The influence of people who name the name of Christ, but they aren't living according to Christ, will have an adverse, not, not just impacting them adversely like the God rejecter, but it confuses and distorts. It distorts who God is. It distorts who the church, what the church is. And I'm not blaming the church. And I think too often people blame the church like it's their fault if a person becomes an attendee but keeps his sin hidden from view. Now, maybe there are some things that the church can do. But I don't want you to go down that rail right now. I've written a lot about the church, but the point of focus, I want you to stay focused. It still needs to be on the hypocrite. Because guess what? If the hypocrite would repent, he could change everything by his repentance. The best leader, the purest form of biblical leadership is the imperfect one. And it's important that you understand that. The best leading that you will ever do is imperfect leading. But you are objectively living for Christ. I say imperfect because you or I cannot imitate Christ perfectly. Nobody nails it. Ten times out of ten, or every moment of their day, we never expect a person to be perfect. I pray to God that you don't expect people to be perfect. But you don't want them, but you do want them to try sincerely. My children know very well that I'm not perfect, but I would like to think, I would like to think that they would say, and you're welcome to ask them, that daddy tries, that mommy tries. They're not out of step with the gospel as far as a pattern is concerned. There is a plan for authentic leaders who fail occasionally. It's called the doctrine of repentance. For those imperfect leaders who genuinely love the Lord and trying to do the best that they can, we have a backup plan. It's called the doctrine of repentance. The only people group in the world that can transform themselves in a long-term sustainable way are Christians. Everybody else can turn over new leaves and make new resolutions, and I, I love leaf turning, and I kind of enjoy resolutions, too. They're sort of fun. But as far as long-term sustainable change, only God grants repentance. Only God gives that kind of fa a favor. Episodic failure, which is what I'm talking about, with imperfect leaders, you and me, genuinely loving God but imperfectly living him out, Episodic failure is much different from a pattern of failure. The first happens, episodic failure, it happens to all of us. The second one, a pattern, ongoing pattern of failure, is an habituation of a person who does not know how to repent, or maybe they just don't care to repent. This is episode 203. Your example has more impact than your teaching. I really want you to jump on these internal links. I have one of them titled The Doctrine of Repentance, where I walk through how to repent. I want to give you the call to action. I'll see if I can get through this. But if I don't get through all of these call to action steps, go to episode 203 and you can read everything that I've just shared with you. But number one, 
If you want to know what the Christ life looks like, the Bible gives us two excellent templates. The first template is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. The second template is Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Love is, love is not, love is, love is not. Paul gives us a whole list of things that love is or isn't. And then in Galatians 5, 22 is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you can pull out all of these descriptors, and you'll end up with 20-something of them. And you can pull them out of those two texts, love, joy, peace, love is kind, love is not rude, love does not seek its own. You can pull all of those descriptors out, and you can write them down the left-hand side of a sheet of paper. And then write out beside each one an area where you are appropriating the grace of God in your life and an aspect of your life that you must change. You see, when you write out 1 Corinthians 13 or Galatians 5, what you're looking at is a picture of Christ. He lines up to all of those descriptors. And so what you're comparing yourself to is Christ. And so as you do that, you want to see, and you want to thank God for areas where you are appropriating His grace in your life so that you have been transforming, but you'll also find areas where you can still change. And so I want you to write out those things as well. One is to encourage you, and the other is to motivate you. I'm going to have to stop my podcast now, but I have, I have five other call-to-action points. and You can read them in episode 203. Your example has more impact than your teaching. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.